Hey everybody, it's Alex here from Clinical Practice Made Easy and we are still in our Foundations of Success series. So today I wanted to talk about patient connection and I think that uh, a lot of the time people talk to me about patient retention, they talk to me about patient management um, and they also sometimes talk to me about how you connect but I feel that the terms patient retention and patient uh, management give me the ick. So for any of you that know me, the ick is that feeling of it just doesn't feel quite right on the inside. Now, sometimes the ick is good because the ick means that we are challenging our own belief system. And sometimes the ick isn't good because it means that we're just not quite congruent and maybe we never will be. So for me, the reason I don't like the terms uh, patient management and patient retention is kind of patient retention to me sounds like detention. And I'd like my patients to feel like they have a choice to stay with me or not. And patient management feels like I'm kind of telling them what to do and trying to keep them in line. And really, for me, um, I would change those terms to patient connection and patient communication because everybody's got a choice and I think if we're practicing in the best way possible we really want our patients to feel that there are equals and everything is open and above board. So today I want to talk a bit further about patient connection and for me this is really the emotional part of the relationship that we have with our patients and we can connect with them in many ways. A lot of our practitioners will, will connect in, in an empathy way and listen to our patient stories. We could connect in the sense of humour. Um, we can connect in uh, just the general way of really being pleased to see somebody and a caring way of taking care of them. If we break it down though, many of the times we are taking care of our patients, we're wearing quite a few hats. So the three hats that I see us wearing uh, in practice will be the relationship hat. So that's the human to human connection that we have. We'll have the expert hat, which is hopefully our job to lead and communicate well with our patients about where we are now, what's wrong, what we can do to help, how many sessions they may need, the cost of care. Um, it could also be the journey that we need to take, whether we think that the prognosis is good, whether we think there's going to be bumps in the road, how certain we are it's going to work. Um, and then the expert would be talking about what we're doing in the room and what our techniques do for our patients and what we're going to do next. The third part and the third hat is actually delivering the care. So, you know, if you're a hypnotherapist, you're delivering the hypnotherapy. If you're the chiropractor, you're delivering the adjustment. Um, if you're a massage therapist, you're delivering the massage. If you're an osteo, you're delivering a manipulation. And we have to really be mindful that in a session, um, we need to have a good emotional connection. We still need to be leading that case and being the expert in the room. Um, and we need to be delivering outstanding care all the time consistently and that's not always easy also in a session it doesn't really always equal out like oh i'm going to start the first five minutes in the relationship place and then what i'll do is i'll become the expert and then what i'll do is deliver a great care quite often we have to have this mishmash of oh now i've got to talk about what um this adjustment does in the middle of talking to somebody about something personal about their family in the middle of making sure that I'm actually working on the right body part or or communicating with the right language. So it's not easy. 
So I think if we understand the foundations of connection, it means the layers of being a leader and the layers of delivering really great care should really um, sit on top of something that then becomes natural for us. And believe me, not everybody finds connection a natural process. I see um, a nervousness in practitioners about how to work on that emotional level. Um, and then I see others who just find that they can do it with ease. And I would say most people can't. Just to give you a little bit of relief if you're one of those people, it does take some work and some practice. One of the other things that I think before I talk to you about the path of a strong connection is knowing that connection is vital as the doorway into starting care. If you haven't connected with your patient, you will not have permission to be listened to or understood in the same way as if you did. So what I mean by that is if somebody feels that we are aggressive or we don't care or we're flippant or we're rushed or we're preoccupied, um, when we're delivering results for them, those feelings become a block because it's a patient's job and our job as human beings to protect ourselves. So we become less open and we don't listen as well. We don't take that information on. So if we're connected and we feel that that person likes and cares about us, I mean the patient, not the practitioner, um, we're more likely as a patient to hear that information and take it on board because we feel at ease. So I think clinically, it really makes a difference. And also I really believe in, hey, I don't know what the science says about this, but um, when somebody's having an adjustment or a massage or soft tissue work or any kind of talking therapy, if there's a connection there, I genuinely believe that um, they absorb the healing better than if they didn't feel looked after and cared about by the person delivering it. I think it's just nature's way of, of kind of taking care of ourselves, really. So let's break it down. I've put and talk about this on our Complete Practice Mastery course, about seven levels of um, connection. So the first level is to be, hey, six levels, I can't count. The first level is to be polite. So most of the time when we meet somebody for the very first time, we're going to shake hands if we can and um, have good eye contact and introduce ourselves and um, say, how are you? And use Mr. and Mrs. Um, and just be genuinely polite. Um, this phase is a formalities phase. It's, but in this phase, you know, they say first impressions count. The subconscious brain is working out if you're a threat or not. Does this person give me the heebies? Do I need to get out of here? Do I need to brace myself or am I okay to carry on? I really genuinely think that's all a first impression is about. So in that first phase, I think the formalities do matter because they, they start as a first sign of respect, really. And certainly with the older generation, they don't always want their name shortened. They don't always want to not be called Mr. and Mrs., so once we've moved from polite, we'll next usually move into rapport. So that is finding um, some kind commonality, really. Uh, you know, how did you find us? 
the weather's nice today, you know, I like your shoes. Um, oh, I understand you know um, Derek from the shop. And in rapport, if you, if you work in the NLP arena, you'll often do matching and mirroring. So it may be that the body language, you start to move an arm and your patient moves the arm to mirror you or vice versa, or you start to match the tone and pace of each other. And generally that means that on sub, some, sub, some subconscious level, you are in rapport, which is great. Um, I don't think that the entry point for an initial consultation stops there. For me, I think we have to move to the next level, which is connection. So I think it asks, what's the difference between rapport and connection? So I think rapport is, is finding that commonality, whereas connection is to have shared something of some meaning. So if we really want to have long lasting change for our patients, I genuinely believe that that patient and sometimes us would need to have shared something meaningful in that initial consultation to make this whole process of moving together worthwhile. So it would be something of value to them or something that would make care feel as though it's a priority for them. So if I want to um, have connection with my patient, I've really got to ask them some questions that find connection out. So in our consultations, we'll be interested in what it is that um, they do in their life. Who do they take care of? Um, are they experiencing any stress at the moment? What is their health aim? Why is this important and why is it important now? Um, what would it mean to them if things changed and improved? Another key question is who's taking care of them? So sometimes people take care of everybody else and that question can build connection pretty quickly. Um, sometimes you can have connection in humour um, and that can be very, very important and pretty healing too. And I think if we're talking about being introduced to a patient by another person, we can have connections through that person. Oh, I hear that Mike sent you in and he's incredible, isn't he? And he's so funny. And yes, I know him from this and I know him from that. And you've, you've built um, something a little bit meaningful by knowing somebody else. But if we do all of those things, we've got a pretty good chance of then having the permission from the patient to trust us at the very basic level to feel that we might actually be genuinely invested in their well-being and want to go on the journey with us longer term. The next two levels get a little bit icky. So the next level of connection, I think, is intimacy. And um, I don't mean in, in the physical way. Um, I mean in the emotional way. And I do think sometimes we will have a healthy intimacy with our patients, especially if you're in the psychotherapy arena. Um, and that will be a situation where a patient tells you something that you were not necessarily expecting them to tell you or that they needed to tell you because it was going to be a block to their health. Could be uh, a family story, could be a personal tragedy, it could be something wonderful that happened to them. Um, it could be something deeply meaningful. And the people that find connection a little bit uncomfortable quite often get 
extremely uncomfortable here because there's a pressure to know what to say when somebody tells you something that you haven't um, considered or didn't know or makes you feel a bit vulnerable as a practitioner. Um, so, and also sometimes we can be shocked. I've definitely been told in practice things from patients personally that I thought, wow, I really didn't expect that. So I think the key thing, and I hope that you take this on board in practice, is to not is to know that you don't actually need to always say a lot. Um, listening and genu genuinely giving eye contact um, can show a lot of empathy. And I would normally just quietly say to the patient, thank you so much for sharing that with me. Because I really feel that it's a privilege for somebody to tell me that. So that would be, for me, would be classed as intimacy. And um, I think it done in a healthy way. And then maybe if that patient is struggling in, in an area that's out of remit, I might say, have you considered maybe trying something like this to make sure that they're getting the help they need? Um, and obviously making sure that if it is a mental health issue, for example, that they're um, well enough to, to leave your room and, and take care of themselves when they go and not do something um, reckless or, or, or silly. So intimacy is, is, a, is an important part, but I don't think everybody has to have intimacy in their practice. Um, I know some incredible chiropractors who have fantastic connection, good humour, bags of energy, um, lots of drive and great communication skills. And that is enough um, for a long lasting well-being uh, patient relationship. And what I mean by that is it's enough to build enough trust and enough connection for the patient to make the decision to work with you to have improvements to their health long term. The last one in um, the road is merging and um, merging would be a physical connection and I would highly recommend that you do not do this in your practices. The only time you'll see the merge state is usually with a mother and a baby um, when she's pregnant and that means that the two physical states are intertwined as one and I think that there is a connection obviously that's happening with mum and baby um, but there is also a, a privilege and an honour if you take care of paediatrics and pregnancy cases to be able to support and nurture that group. There's a deep connection to um, adjusting a mum uh, before she has a baby and adjusting the baby um, a few weeks after in, in obviously very safe way, safe and gentle way. So we're probably going to not do merge very often um, in practice unless we're pregnancy and paediatric based. You know, it's probably about 2% of our practices on average, I think. So we're really going to be spending our time back in that connection bracket. Now, I've talked about this as if you imagine that we're kind of climbing a, a mountain. So level one is polite. Level two is rapport. Level three is connection. Level four is intimacy, which we may or may not need to go to. And then level five is merge, which is pretty much out in practice unless you're looking after pregnancy. One of the things that can block this is moving through that process too quickly or before the patient is ready. So ideally, we want to have some form of connection in the initial consultation so we understand what's meaningful and of value to them. But 
if we move too fast, you'll get pushed into stay out. And if you just imagine for a minute what a patient looks like when they're saying stay out, it's the same as anybody, by the way, in your life. <laughs> um, the arms get folded, they sit back in their chair and they close off. And that may mean that we've asked a question that's too personal too soon um, or we've missed something. There was something going on with them. And I always think that, that if you see that coming, you have to take a step back down the ladder. So I would be really happy if somebody was nervous or vulnerable or felt that they needed to protect themselves and they hadn't built enough trust to share things, to understand that, that it's not going to happen that quickly, but there probably is something that they need to share over time. And move into polite and rapport, depending on whether, whatever they're comfortable with, to make sure that they leave the room in a space feeling um, that they're desire to move forward has been honoured at the rate that they want to move forward at. So this business of connection is not easy. And I think that people talk about mastery a lot. It's a bit of a buzzword. But for me, what mastery means is to understand the concept, which is really what we're talking about today, but then to be able to juggle it in reality with the person that we're taking care of right in front of us. So if you're in practice and you are looking at connection, I think the first thing that I would do is start by becoming aware of which phase of connection your patients are in. Some of them will jump straight into connection, they're all over it. Some of them will be really clear that they are starting the process at stay out. And actually we do go through how you manage that in the new patient training that we do. Um, some of them will begin at polite and it will be a slow process and it might not be until session four or five that you move into rapport or connection. So step one is to start um, observing that. And then step two is to think about some of those key questions that can test the water for connection that we talked about. So why is this important for you now? Have you got stress going on in your life at the moment? Who do you take care of? Who takes care of you? What would it mean for you to be out of pain? Um, what can't you do now that you'd really love to be able to do? If we could do anything for your well-being, what would it be? Um, and if you ask those types of questions, um, then you're more likely to build a strong patient connection.